Chapter 15, Part 1 of Aeroplanes and Dirigibles of War by Frederick A. Talbot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Tomko. Aeroplanes and Dirigibles of War by Frederick A. Talbot. Chapter 15, Anti-Aircraft Guns, Immobile Weapons, Part 1. The immobile anti-aircraft gun, as distinct from that attached to a traveling carriage, such as a motor car, may be subdivided into two classes. The one is a fixed arm which cannot be moved readily, mounted upon a permanent emplacement. The other is the field piece which, while fired from a stationary position, may be moved from point to point upon a suitable carriage. The distinction has its parallel in ordinary artillery the first-named weapon coinciding with the heavy siege gun which is built into and forms part and parcel of the defensive or offensive scheme while the second is analogous to the field artillery which may be wheeled from position to position in this phase of artillery the germans led the way for the simple reason that they recognized the military value of aerial navigation years in advance of their contemporaries again in this field the krupp organization has played a prominent part it embarked upon actual construction of weapons while its rivals in other countries were content to prepare their drawings which were filed against the day but it must not be thought that because the german manufacturers of armaments were ahead of their contemporaries they dominated the situation far from it their competitors in the market of destruction were every whit as keen as ingenious and as enterprising Kruppism saw a commercial opportunity to profit from advertisement and seized it its rivals were content to work in secret upon paper to keep pace with the trend of thought and to perfect their organizations so as to be ready for the crisis when it developed the first Krupp anti-aircraft fieldpiece was a 6.5 centimeter, 2 and 9/16 inch arm. It possessed many interesting features, the most salient of which was the design of the axle of the carriage. The rigid axle for the two wheels was replaced by an axle made in two sections and joined together in the form of a universal coupling, so that each wheel virtually possessed its own axle, or rather half axle. This was connected with the cradle of the gun in such a manner that the wheels were laterally pivoted thereon. The result is that each axle can be turned forward together with its wheel, and thus the wheels have their rims brought into line to form an arc of a circle of which the rear end of the spade of the gun carriage constitutes the center. This acts as a pivot, about which the gun can be turned, the pair of wheels forming the runners for the achievement of this movement the setting of the weapon in the firing position or its reversion to the traveling position can be easily and speedily effected merely by the rotation of a hand wheel and gearing with this gun a maximum elevation of sixty degrees is possible owing to the trunnions being carried well behind the breech in combination with the system of long steady recoil the balancing spring which encloses the elevating screw is contained in a protected box the recoil brake together with the spring recuperator follows the usual krupp practice in connection with ordinary field pieces as does also the automatic breech closing and firing mechanism in fact there is no pronounced deviation from the prevailing krupp system and only such modifications as are necessary to adapt the gun to its special duty
When the gun is elevated to high angles, the shell, after insertion, the breech is prevented from slipping out by means of a special device, so that the proper and automatic closing of the breech is not impaired in any way. In such an arm as this, which is designed essentially for high-angle firing, the sighting and training facilities required to be carried out upon special lines, inasmuch as the objective is necessarily at a considerable altitude above the horizon of the gun. In other words, in firing at a high inclination, distance between the gun and the target cannot be utilized directly for the back sight. On the other hand, it is essential that in proportion as the angle from the horizontal increases, the back sight should be lowered progressively in a manner corresponding to the distance. To assist the rangefinder in his task of sighting, it is necessary that he should be provided with firing tables set out in a convenient form, which, in conjunction with the telemeter, serve to facilitate training for each successive round. In this way, it is possible to pick up the range quickly and to keep the objective in the line of fire until it either has been put hors de combat or has succeeded in retiring beyond the range of the gun. The sighting arrangements of these Krupp anti-aircraft guns are carried out upon these lines. Beneath the barrel of the back sight is an observing glass with an eyepiece for the artillerist, while above and behind the observing glass is another eyepiece to be used in conjunction with the manipulation of the back sight. The eyepiece of the observation glass is so made that it can be turned through a vertical plane in proportion as the angle of fire increases in relation to the horizontal. The determination of the distance from the objective and from the corresponding back sight, as well as the observation of the altitude, is carried out with the aid of the telemeter. This again carries an observation glass fitted with an eyepiece which can be turned in the vertical plane in the same manner as that of the foresight. By means of this ingenious sighting device, it is possible to ascertain the range and angle of fire very easily and speedily. The weight of the special Krupp anti-aircraft fieldpiece, exclusive of the protecting shield, is approximately identical with that of the ordinary light artillery fieldpiece. It throws a shell weighing 8.8 .8 pounds with an initial velocity of about 2,066 feet per second. Although the German armament manufacturers were among the first to enter the field with an anti-aircraft gun of this character, they were speedily followed by the French, who devised a superior weapon. In fact, the latter represented such a decisive advance that the German artillerists did not hesitate to appropriate their improvements in sundry essential details, and to incorporate them with their own weapons. This applies especially to the differential recoil system, which is utilized in the small anti-aircraft guns now mounted upon the roofs of high buildings of cities throughout Germany for the express purpose of repelling aerial attack. The French system is admitted by the leading artillery technicians of the world to be the finest which has ever been designed, its remarkable success being due to the fact that it takes advantage of the laws of nature. In this system, the gun is drawn back upon its cradle preparatory to firing. In some instances, the barrel is compressed against a spring, but in the more modern guns, it is forced to rest against a cushion of compressed air contained within a cylinder. When first bringing the gun into action, the barrel is brought into the preliminary position by manually compressing the air or spring by means of a lever. Thereafter, the gun works automatically. When the gun is fired, the barrel is released and it flies forward. 
At a critical point in its forward travel, the charge is fired and the projectile speeds on its way. The kick or recoil serves to arrest the forward movement of the barrel and finally drives it back again against the strong spring or cushion of compressed air within the cylinder to its normal position, when it is ready for the introduction of the next shell. The outstanding feature of this system is that the projectile is given a higher initial velocity than is possible with the barrel held rigid at the moment of discharge, because the shell is already traveling at the moment of firing. The fixed anti-aircraft guns such as are stationed upon eminences and buildings are of the quick-firing type, the object being to hurl a steady, continuous stream of missiles upon the swiftly moving aeroplane. Some of the weapons throw a one-pound shell and are closely similar to the pom-pom which proved so effective during the South African War. Machine guns also have been extensively adopted for this duty by all the combatants. Their range of approximately 2,000 yards and rapidity of fire being distinctly valuable when hostile aircraft descend to an altitude which brings them within the range of the weapon. The greatest difficulty in connection with this phase of artillery, however, is not so much the evolution of a serviceable and efficient type of gun as the determination of the type of projectile which is likely to be most effective. While shrapnel is employed somewhat extensively, it has not proved completely satisfactory. It is difficult to set the timing fuse, even after the range has been found approximately, which in itself is no easy matter when the aircraft is moving rapidly and irregularly but reliance is placed thereon in the hope that the machine may happen to be within the cone of dispersion when the shell bursts and that one or more of the pieces of projectile and bullets may chance to penetrate either the body of the airman or a vital part of the mechanism it is this uncertainty which has led to a preference for a direct missile such as the bullet discharged from a machine gun a stream of missiles, even of rifle caliber, maintained at the rate of some 400 shots per minute, is certain to be more effective, provided range and aim are correct, than shrapnel. But the ordinary rifle bullet, unless the objective is within very close range, is not likely to cause much harm, at least not to the mechanism of the aerial vessel. It is for this reason that greater attention is being devoted, especially by the French artillerists, to the Chevalier anti-aircraft gun, a weapon perfected by a Swiss technician resident in Great Britain. It projects a formidable missile, which in fact is an armor-piercing bullet, one-half to three-fourths inch in diameter. It is designed for use with an automatic machine gun, which the inventor has devised more or less upon the well-known French system. The bullet has a high velocity, about 2,500 feet per second, and a maximum range of 6,000 to 8,000 feet at the maximum elevation. Should such a missile strike the motor or other mechanism of the vessel, it would wreak widespread havoc, and probably cause the machine to come to earth. This arm has been designed for the express purpose of disabling the aeroplane, and not for the subjugation of the airman, which is a minor consideration, inasmuch as he is condemned to a descent when his craft receives a mortal wound. End of chapter 15, part 1. Recording by William Tomko.